So <laughs> was talking a bit before recording. So if you're catching the recording, uh, we, we were having a chat about sight words and my take on them. Uh, so there are a lot of words that obviously can be sounded out that are on the fry list, adult words list as sight words. Um, so it's, it's important to teach the decoding of those skills. And if you go watch my session, I think it's with, I think it was a session with Sarah Miller. So VIP pass holders who still have access. Um, go check it out. She and I talked a bit about sight words in her session. And it's, I like them and don't like them. So I do believe that there's a reason they're on those lists. They are super common. They are frequently used. And eventually your brain kind of starts to pass by the decoding steps. But I think it's important to introduce them to the decoding aspects. But then to reinforce those words that are super common. I do think it's fun to play like sight word games with those. Um, I, I especially love like, um, there's there's a game where like you basically put the kid on the other side of the room and you either have um, like post-it notes or some sort of index card either on a table or floor opposite them. And then this just works on like their speed and fluency of, of connecting with the words. And you can have them run over and say, go smack the it card, go smack the, the was. And you know, it gets really fun. And then you can see how fast they can really keep going. Uh, but definitely teaching those decoding skills first is super important. Record again. Um, so I'm glad that it's using high frequency. My problem is, is that those terms are used very interchangeably on Google. Also, if you go search Google, those high frequency words or sight words are going to appear regardless on the Dolch and Fry list. Um, so it really just depends on who you're talking to. I love that the the program that you're holding up and working through Kirlin with is using the term high frequency words because this is definitely important. Yes, thank you for sharing. Um, because I think it is important for them to realize that the reason that they're high frequency is they're going to come across them that often and it's just going to become second nature for them to tackle those words. But definitely they are still decodable words versus sight words where you really can't break it down. And there's very few of those in the English language in reality. So. For sure. So these would be perfect examples of high frequency words. Obviously, uh, they're very short. They have very minimal phenoms to work through and they are common in everyday language. And they most certainly will see these in any beginner uh, beginner uh, reader book for sure. So, okay. So I got a question from Kristen about how we deal with not just having a reluctant reader, but also potentially a reluctant writer. How do we tackle those skill building activities and do we do them together or uh, keep them separate, and how can we blend them together? Um, so there's a lot of things to unpack in that question. First of all, you should definitely, if they are still beginning readers or writers, you want to work on those skills independently. Um, they are two totally different tasks, even though they are both components of literacy. Um, trying to do them simultaneously with a beginning child could be really, really overwhelming. Um, for me as an adult, trying to wrap my head around trying to read and write simultaneously uh, would be difficult for my brain. Uh, never mind if you have a struggling reader or a differently wired kiddo, uh, that's just gonna be really hard for them in a the process. So first of all, anytime you're working on any skills, whether it's reading or writing, that is definitely going to be separate from any time that you spend reading together as just for pure enjoyment. Um, that whole family bonding aspect, that's definitely two separate pieces. Uh, so definitely keep in mind, I'm gonna focus on reading first. Um, if, you're, if your 
sitting down and your primary focus is to just sit back and enjoy the story, let that be your primary focus. If you want to have a moment to pause and have them practice a word or something like that, or you're taking turns reading back and forth, then that's okay. Um, but you want the focus to be less on um, that, that perfection of, did you get that word right? Um, if it's something that's coming up repeatedly, you can stop in the moment and correct that. But for the most part, when you're having just that uh, moment that you're going to grab a book off the shelf and sit and read together, you want to just focus on carrying that through so that they're getting the intrinsic value that comes from reading because we want them to create that positive connection with the reading experience because that's going to get them doing it more. And the more they're doing it on their own for pleasure, uh, that in turn is going to help boost those skills um, in the long run. So when it comes to working on reading skills in particular, like I said, you want to go in with the mindset that you're telling your kid, okay, this is when we're going to be working on these skills. Um, this is not just let's sit back and enjoy. Those are, like I said, you want to keep those two very separate activities. And when you're working on those reading skills, you want to not tackle like the entire laundry list of skills. Uh, again, you're, every time you go into a reading session with your child, whether it's for the enjoyment or skill work, you always want to zero in on a particular skill. So if you're working on uh, working on blending words together, let that be the primary focus. You know, um, if you're working on comprehension, that's a whole different ballgame. Uh, and I could go on for a while. I'm going to try and keep this as focused as possible. Um, so you always want to zero in on that particular skill. And then when you're working with writing and things like that, that the same is exactly true. You can have them just go have fun and go write in a journal. They can write a letter to a friend. They can write little notes back and forth with you. That is a great way for them to simply just practice their handwriting skills and getting, you know, thoughts out of their head and onto paper. If we're looking at actual fine tuning of this is how you spell a word, this is how uh, you write a particular letter, anything like that. Again, those are going to be very focused activities. And depending on the age of your child and the type of skill you're working on, there's different uh, ways that you would definitely want to come at that. Um, but again, very, very different separate skills. Uh, and if you're trying to blend them together, the biggest uh, scenario that I would see, again, that would work on both skills to some degree in tandem would be like with Joy Renee's presentation on pen pal, uh, writing letters back and forth. That is a great one because they have to utilize that skill of, oh, let me read the letter I just got so that I can actually uh, respond accordingly to any questions that were asked, anything like that. Another one would be either them journaling back and forth with you or having little notes or um, anything along those lines is gonna work really well to do both skills at once. Uh, but yeah, definitely keeping it separate. Uh, thoughts on I can read level books, step into reading level books. Uh, <laughs> let me, for kids, for neurodivergent, even older. Um, I am not the biggest fan on those books. Some are better than others. I prefer to look for the term, if you Google decodable books, um, those are definitely the better scenario. The I can read books and step into reading books tend to focus more on uh, just lower level <laughs> phonics in general. Um, but in those books, you could see several different, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kind of technical for a second, but so you have phonological awareness, words being broken down into different letter sounds, and then the sounds blending together into phenoms. Um, 
those books oftentimes will focus on more than one or two, which can be a lot for a child's brain um, to comprehend. Uh, you want to look for decodable books where there or decodable passages even where they're focusing in on a particular phenom or two and not going beyond that. Um, so like I said, reading is a very hard and complex skill and it's one that I'm still struggling to fully comprehend how to work and teach with my own child because I didn't get enough of these skills growing up myself. Um, so work in progress here. Uh, but if you want to go down the Googling rabbit hole and search the science of reading and decodable books and decodable passages, those are a great place to start for beginning readers. Uh, because again, we don't want to overwhelm and have the brain trying to work on multiple phonological pieces or even um, skills in general uh, all at once. If you saw my closing next session yesterday, how I was talking about for us as adults, we don't want to leave the summit and try and tackle all the strategies, all the things all at once, because it's very overwhelming. Not just for us, but it would be incredibly overwhelming for our child to suddenly start implementing a thousand different strategies and giving them all these incentives. And it's too much. We, you want to really just focus on one thing at a time and master that skill um, before moving on to the next one. So hopefully that answered that question. Kristen. <laughs> and I thought of something else I want to add to that. One of the other things that I, I am not a huge fan of the I can read books or the step-by-step -step books is the topics aren't always super great for kids, especially if you're looking at like any of those older books that are like, um, I see Spot, Spot can run, like the really simple sentence beginning readers. Those stories are not engaging for most kids. I mean, if you have a puppy lover, maybe, but for the most part, they're not going to be what's, what's going to hook them. So finding short decodable passages to work on those individual skills is really, really useful. And then when it's just time to sit back and read, um, finding any books that are at their appropriate reading level, which brings me on to another subject, always focus in on your child's reading level, not what's dictated by their age or their grade. It is okay if they are above. It is okay if they're below. We always want to meet our readers where they're at uh, because otherwise it's just going to either bore them to tears if they're above that reading level or um, really discourage and frustrate them if they're really struggling to keep up with the level that you're reading at. When it, and I'm going to piggyback on that. And when it comes to giving them the opportunity, if they are still at that very beginning stage of, you know, those short, simple sentences that, you know, are no more than three or four, and their age is well beyond that, you can always take the time to use those level books to build their skills and then sit back together and read the more complex, more advanced books uh, where you're taking on the task of, of reading and they just get to enjoy the story because they're still learning through that entire process. So for sure, not a huge fan of those particular books. There are some that are better than others. Um, Paper Pie has a set that uh, focuses specifically on different phonic skills. And I know there's a couple other uh, series out there that do that, but it's when you, they don't take into account working on those individual skills in a particular story um, that I really struggle with, with utilizing resources like that.